Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the post-game edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you as the Colts fall to the Commanders 17-16 on Sunday. Fall to 3-4-1 on the season. It was the uh, debut of Sam Ellinger, which we'll get into here in a second. And George, a lot of takeaways to get into. The defense fails to close the door at the end there as the Commanders drive down the field to score what was the eventual game-winning touchdown by Taylor Heineke. You have this offense... Getting some areas like the run game get back to life, but in the end, turnovers again fail and kind of doom this team. And again, we'll get into this debut of Sam Ellinger, but George, they make the quarterback switch. Some things in a positive way change, but it feels like it's almost yet again, we're talking about another Colts loss and the recipe for them losing, it's all almost basically the same. Yeah, it still felt like Groundhog Day to me. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Don't finish in the red zone. Uh, Turn the ball over too much. Uh, offensive line not coming through on some pretty key situations, you know, a, a third and goal from the inch line, uh, you know, comes to mind yep. almost immediately. Um, just the normal things, uh, the, the margin for error for this team remains so small. Uh, it was another day where, you know, just about any little thing that could go wrong uh, just just puts this team back too far. You know, a dropped pass, a fumble, a negative run a holding penalty. Uh, they overcame a little bit of that today, but for the most part, uh, just the same as it's been all year long, you know, and it comes back to the same culprit. I mean, look, you benched the wrong Matt. If you ask me, Matt Pryor <laughs> was out there uh, killing the offense again. Uh, the, the line in general, um, you know, it's, it's all five of them. It's not just him. Um, he had some big penalties that come to mind right away, but really all five of them uh, just not getting it done in, in critical situations. And that's, you know, we, we've been saying it all year long, I think today was another example of you can change whatever you want until this offensive line comes together and, and, and opens up, you know, consistently lanes in the running game and gives the quarterback time to pass on a consistent basis. You're going to be what you are, which is a very inconsistent team uh, that tends to shoot itself in the foot way too often. And as you mentioned, you make the quarterback change, but really for the most part, the, the margin of error, even with an, a new quarterback, it's still, like you said, so thin where if everything doesn't go exactly your way, whether it's on a certain drive or a penalty pushes your back, you can't overcome that. Whether it's, you know, again, not forcing enough turnovers or allowing one turnover kind of be the difference or one big play doesn't go your way. Like if they can't overcome these small things, like a lot of good teams can. And like you said, you make some changes. It doesn't really matter because again, we're sitting here with another Colts loss where a lot of the same issues continue to bite them in the, uh, bite them in the butt. You mentioned turnovers, Colts lose a turnover battle. Again, what a surprise. The offensive line. You put in a more mobile quarterback, and sure, you know, Matt, uh, Sam Ellinger, excuse me, is not sacked as much as Matt Ryan and not under maybe as much pressure as Matt Ryan in, in previous weeks. But when you need to run the ball, you can't do so. We need to, you know, have, give Sam Ellinger time to throw the ball. You sh- when you got it's like those got to have it plays, whether it's third down, whether it's a, a big drive. The Colts have constantly on offense, for the most part, 
fail to come through and make the play. And just those, you got to have moments. Like I said, George, that, that's really where you can kind of sum up the season. Offense, defense, special teams. Those big plays, those, let's say, five to ten big plays a game that do swing momentum one side or another, more times than not, the other team is the one making the play, and the momentum is on their side. And that's what we're looking at right now, a team with a losing record three weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, you can look at today, really, you can boil it down to two of them, right? I mean, you had a, a touch pass to Michael Pittman, and I believe the third quarter might have been early in the fourth quarter. I think it was early in the fourth quarter. Uh, looks like it's a touchdown. Confetti goes off here. They put six points on the scoreboard. The referees come back in, say, no, he's down inside the one. Uh, and the very next play, you, you get your best running back, you know, the, the guy, the 1,800-yard rusher from a year ago running behind your all-pro left guard, it gets stuffed, uh, and you end up kicking a 20-yard field goal. You flip it to the other side, less than a minute to go. The, the commanders are coming into to Colts territory, and they hit a 33-yard pass to Terry McLaurin, who wrestles the ball away from an all-pro cornerback at Stephon Gilmore, who was in position, made a great play on the ball, and then you you win the game on a one-yard sneak. It, to me, it's it, there it is right there. The Colts, you know, knocking on the doorstop, doorstep at the three, find a way not to get in, kick a field goal instead. The, the commanders at their own 34 make a big play and then finish it off with the quarterback sneak. There you go. You know, I mean, you flip those those four plays, I guess, on their heads and, and we're having a, a different conversation. I don't want to say a very different conversation right now because I feel like even when it looked like the Colts might win this game, it, it felt more like a Denver win than, than necessarily something that was going to be uh, really firing this team up and that we would feel like, hey, they've turned a corner and they're going to make a run at the playoffs. Um, but those four games definitely changed the outcome or those four plays definitely change the outcome of the game. And it's, again, another close loss. Or you lose by one point. Like I said, even just one of those plays goes your way. It could be a whole different ball game. The Colts likely win. But you kind of hit the nail on the head, too. Even if the Colts won this game, the Denver feeling is 100 spot on because you're watching this game. It doesn't feel good. You don't feel a lot of excitement or, or a lot of optimism when you watch this team, especially on offense. And obviously, the big change they made this week was bringing in Sam Ellinger to replace Matt Ryan. And honestly, George... I would say he played pretty well considering the circumstances. He goes 17 to 23, 201 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Did, though, of course, which is customary for Colts quarterbacks, did have a fumble, did lose that fumble, sacked twice, and did run the ball six times for 15 yards. I would say, all things considered, Sam Ellinger played pretty well and kind of gave you what you needed, especially in the passing game. You mentioned before the nice deep bomb to Alec Pierce, the biggest passing play of the season so far. And it's still not enough to win the game. And it's still not enough to even give this offense any sort of life where you, again, we're sitting here talking about an offense that scored 16 points. They're one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And even when you get a pretty good game from a guy in Sam Ellinger, you really did not know what was going to happen and how he's going to play. It still doesn't translate into touchdowns and it still doesn't translate into an offense that's exciting to watch or really gives a defense really much to fear. No, I mean, I, I look at it. I think you got probably the best case scenario from, from Sam today, 17 of 23, like you said, 201 yards, uh, the 47-yard completion to, to Alec Pierce. Uh, didn't turn the ball over except for the one time, which was a big one. I mean, it was down in – both in the of red those zone. fumbles were in the red zone. You know, both those fumbles were inside the 20, and, and again, you just can't do that. In that sense, it reminds me of the Tennessee loss here, the one at home where you had, you know, two drives uh, inside the 20, and, and you fumble, and you come away with no points, and then a couple more drives – where you were in range to maybe finish with a touchdown and you settle for a field goal. Uh, that's a lot of points left on the board uh, in a game you lost by one. So obviously that's going to, that's going to haunt this team, but I really feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you expected from Sam Ellinger today. And my bar was very low. 
Uh, I think he came out and and he probably was was best case scenario. He he gave you a couple first downs with his legs. That's one thing that they wanted to see. He rushed for a couple uh, first downs and 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 you know converted a couple third downs that way. Um, he he. There were five plays of twenty yards or more. One of those was his forty-seven yard pass. He had a thirty-eight yard completion as well. I want to say to uh, Paris Campbell that was a kind of a, a short pass that that Campbell took off mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, they they got a little gimmicky at, at one point with the run game. They had a twenty-eight yard rush from Paris Campbell during that. That also seemed to help open up Taylor for a twenty-seven yard run which is his biggest run of the year. And then they also had a 22 yard completion to Hines. So I think you got some explosive plays. You got what you wanted from him uh, with the exception of the fumble, but you still didn't finish in the red zone. And at the end of the day, even with a best case scenario kind of situation from him, you came into the game averaging 16.1 points, which is the 30th ranked in, in the league. And you scored 16 points. Nothing changed. You got the best case scenario. You switch your quarterbacks <laughs> and nothing changed. Nothing changed whatsoever, and it's like, let's just start with the positives for Sam Ellinger. Like you mentioned, he's more efficient than I, at least I anticipated. He really didn't put the ball in harm's way, which I was not expecting whatsoever, especially from a guy making his first start who's a project, basically, and, and is still in the infancy stages of his development to still be a good decision-maker and, and make, for the most part, throws that were you know only going to be caught by Colts receivers and really did not give a, a commander secondary chance to make a play and flip the game. Commend him there, credit there. I will say I was more surprised with how much he actually was in the pocket. Like I really thought, and we kind of, you know, mentioned you, you know, you had Marcus Brady earlier this week kind of talking about how they want to emphasize the rollout game and, you know, play action boots and kind of get him rolling outside the pocket. I really assumed that was where he was going to be throwing most of the time. And the fact that he was basically, you know, making a lot of his throws from the pocket, there were off the top of my head, very minimal um, rollouts and boots. It was a lot of straight dropbacks. I was surprised, and to Sam's credit, he handled it for the most part pretty. Like I said, it was one of the best case scenarios. But he was accurate. He showed, you know, his arm strength on a nice forty-seven yard deep ball. A nice touch too to Alec Pierce, give him a chance. And like I said, he was good with a short game. It's, it's so frustrating in a sense because, like I said, it, it all things considered, is a pretty good debut, and he did a lot of things that I was not expecting. But then at the same time, we're sitting here again talking about a, a sixteen-point effort. Yep. No, and it tells you there wasn't the quarterback that was holding him back. You got everything right. that you wanted to see from him everything they talked about this week that, that they thought they might get from him they got uh and maybe a little more and you know it still didn't result in in any kind of major change it didn't didn't result in in a win for one thing which was the most important outcome and it didn't result in in the offense suddenly coming to life and in putting a lot of points on the board they were right where they've been again right at their average you can't score point one point so they were right at their <laughs> average uh, you know for for the season um, I, I told you this before we came on the air. I, I feel like I've gone in a time machine. I've gone back to 2019. Uh, the game plan was very similar to what we saw when Jacoby Brissett was here. Um, I don't know. You know, I like to say hiding the quarterback. You can couch that however you want, um, you know, helping him, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. But it was a very conservative game plan. I think you saw it in a couple times in particular. They got the ball with 32 seconds left in the half deep in their own territory, undoubtedly, took a knee. Crowd wasn't real happy about that. I think that was one thing that told you that that they were a little more conservative than they have been. But again, you know, the last possession they have before they fall behind there at the end, 16 to 10 lead, you got 247 to go. Ellinger had just come up short on a third and five, knee hit the ground right before he got to the first down marker. Fourth and inches. Two things about that. Most years, Frank Wright goes for that. I know they're way back there, and it's 
you know, but that most years he's going to go for that, try to run some more time off. Doesn't trust his offensive line. That's one reason they didn't do that. And, and don't blame him. He said in the post game that he did consider it. And one of the things that he took into consideration was that they had just failed on third and inches at the goal line. So you feel here, you're going to basically hand them, you know, gift wrap them the, the go ahead touchdown. And the punt was the right play. And Matt Hawk, by the way, terrible game last week at Tennessee came back really good game today. 56 yard punt there, pin them at their own 11, did everything right on that thing. But the two plays before that, the first and second down on that same series that ends with the punt, you're just running the ball twice up the middle. I, I didn't see a lot of faith. Look, Ellinger played well. He played, you know, probably did most of the things they wanted him to do. But that drive, you don't try to, to throw the ball. You need to pick up a first down or two, and you're probably going to run out the clock. You don't try to throw the ball at all. You end up with a scramble that, that fails. And in those red zone drives that we're talking about that ended with field goals, not a single pass attempt into the end zone. So you're trying to protect. I, I go back to this all the time. The, the interceptions are, are something that we get talked about a lot. You know, Matt Ryan threw nine of them. He threw some terrible interceptions. There's no question about that. But one of the biggest defenses last year for Carson Wentz was 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Well, that's great. But if you're not taking risks and you're not scoring down in the red zone as he wasn't doing, I don't care that you didn't throw an interception today. You also didn't throw a touchdown and you only put 16 points on the board. I'm not sorry. I'm not impressed. I'm with you too. Cause it's that I'm glad you brought the conservative nature. Cause that's really what it felt like it like. And it's, it's clear. I, I thought George, we both were on this spot on from the start when we did our emergency pod on Monday, when it was announced that Matt Ryan was getting benched for Sam Ellinger. And we were kind of questioning or wondering who's kind of the ringleader behind this decision. We both were like, it's probably Jim Mercy. This feels like a Jim Irsay move. And I think you're right. I think the, the play calling and the lack of aggressors from Frank Reich, whether it is down by the goal line or is, you know, later on in the game when you're trying to ice it away, it's clear. He does not trust Sam Ellinger. Frank Reich does not trust Sam Ellinger whatsoever. And that's why you got a very vanilla game plan for the most part. There was not many risks and very un-Frank Reich-like um, so far this season. Like That's been, I think, if you can have one theme for his five years, at least offensively, kind of his personality-wise, he's, he's an aggressive guy. He's going to skew more towards the aggressive side than let's say playing not to lose you know he's the guy who plays to win and i respect that because like i said it does have your faults like you know you go back to the texans game a few years ago goes for an overtime on his own what 22 yard line doesn't get in gifts wrap you know gives the texans a win right there but that's who he is he's gonna win with his guys gonna lose with his guys and this is the first time in a long time george where you really truly feel like he had zero faith in whether it's a quarterback like you mentioned the offensive line rightfully so like i can't sit here and get mad at frank reich for being conservative when he's not like you, I would not be able to trust Sam Ellinger, no disrespect to him. And I would not be able to trust, like I said, the offensive line, because you're, you're seeing that anytime you need them to run the ball or make a play when it matters the most, they can't do it. And if you can't, like, it, it, then it's just, what else are you going to do? Like, you're just going to bang your head against the wall and say, well, we're just going to keep trying something that's not working? No. Like I said, you take a chance with your defense winning the game. They didn't do so. They didn't come up clutch. And we'll get, you know, to them in a little bit later on. But it's hard to get mad at Frank Reich, hard to blame this loss on Frank Reich because, again, he has no real reason to trust the offensive line and the quarterback right now. Absolutely, and I I think it was the right call. I mean, look, they, they did that conservative game plan. I think it was their best chance to win the game. They I think they felt that coming in, and, and it almost worked. You know, it, it would have worked had you finished a couple drives uh, in the red zone or had the defense come up with a big stop there at the end of the game. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about when we were talking about best-case scenario and how they got a lot of what they wanted from Sam Ellinger not a great running day, 
not you know not back to the 200 yard days not 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 the the Colts bully days again but they get 135 yards on 29 carries they average 4.7 yards a carry that's not a bad day no one's going to complain about that Jonathan Taylor was 76 yards on 16 carries which is his second best day of the year again you know when we talked on uh, on the pre preview pod about what needed to happen for them to win most of that happened today they didn't get a score on defense but Shaq Leonard handed them you know a field goal right um or gave you know hand what became a touchdown so uh, right it, ultimately um so many things went right but I I still I feel it like it's like I said, I feel like it's 2019 all over again when Jacoby Brissett was here. You've got a quarterback who is what he is. He's going to be efficient. He's going to you know, try to make plays when they're there. He's going to protect the football, but he's also not going to come out in the fourth quarter and you know make that that throw that, that runs out the clock or, or make that big play in the red zone uh, that, that gets you the touchdown and wins you the game. And it's like for fans, because I know it's still early in the season, you know, you're going into this game, you're three, three and one. So there's a chance that I thought, oh, you know, there's still, and depending on how Sam Ellinger plays, you could still make a run for the playoffs. We were talking about the poll that we did. It was basically 60, 40. I believe tank was the, the leader, but again, it's almost pretty split to for the fans that wanted to either, you know, lose many games for the draft pick or try to win and make a playoff run with Sam Ellinger. And again, when you're talking about a best case scenario for Sam Ellinger, for the most part, the running game improved. We talked about this being a Jonathan Taylor game. Again, 76 yards is to Jonathan Taylor's standards, let's say not a great game. But like I said, from what we've seen outside of the Texans game week one, that was a great game considering the circumstances and considering the offensive line he's running behind so far this season. So you get kind of two checks there from quarterback and running back uh, playing pretty well. And it's still, we're sitting here uh, talking about whether it's the defense, again, turnovers, offensive line, like you still can't win the game. So like, this team is not very good. And again, it, like you mentioned it, it's not the quarterback. Like you can blame Matt Ryan and his turnovers are a major issue for sure. And sometimes his decision, uh, decision-making, absolutely. But the fact is like this team is bad all around. They, they have not played commentary football. They have not put together really two good quarters. Like I'm trying to think, George, they have not put a full team effort Offense, defense, special teams, of even two quarters together. And we are basically halfway through the year, eight games in out of 17. Like, this team is just not good. And it's a, yeah. it's a shame because the names, um, the accolades that have with the individual players, the sum should be pretty high. And right now, collectively, everyone is playing below their caliber. And it's leading to what right now is just a, a flat-out bad football team. Yeah, I think that's that's the bottom line at the end of the day. Sam Ellinger, hats off to him. He came out and he, he played about as well as you could expect him to play. Uh, took care of the football, got some explosive plays mixed in, helped that running game open up. And you still, at the end of the day, the bottom line is your offense still wasn't good enough. You know, it obviously wasn't good enough to win the game today. And it's not good enough to win many games in this. You're not going to win very many times with 16 points. I mean, that's just, you know, that's why 16.1 is 30th in the league on the season. You know, it, it, the offense is not good enough. And, and it comes back to what we were talking about before, inconsistency that, that starts up front with the offensive line. It continues with, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, you know, in the red zone, whether that's penalties, whether it's turnovers, uh, whether it's just settling for a field goal when when you need to get a touchdown. You know, Naheem Hines said it best down there in the locker room right after the game. And he said, they if they score one more touchdown, one drive, one of those drives ends with the touchdown, we're having a different conversation with them than the one we were having tonight. It's, it's very simple. And again, I feel like every single week we're talking about one or two extra plays that could go the Colts way. And we're talking about a team that again, could be six and two, you know, five and three. 
it's a they you don't make the plays and even sometimes they have you know closed out games and it's been you know they are one of the best ironically fourth quarter teams in all the nfl go figure but unfortunately they're one of the worst you know teams in terms of the first three quarters where they're eight for eight in terms of trailing at halftime they've trailed after the third quarter every single game so again you're you're talking about putting yourself in a position to succeed when you consistently get up to slow starts. And again, we'll, we'll say this about Matt Ryan, that the Colts offense and usually really just mostly the offense will say sometimes the defense too gets off to slow starts and you make the quarterback change supposed to get that spark of life. And still we're sitting here talking about an offense to score three points in the first half. And you, again, you're losing because you can't get anything sort of going here. It's just, it's maddening Georgia. It's frustrating. But like I said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think that's one of the best uh, ways to describe Right now, especially this Colts offense, because you can switch, you can change. It, it doesn't do anything. Um, when we do return here in the Blue Horseshoe Pod, I do want to mention one thing that I did like a lot on Sunday that, that I hope the Colts can use more often. We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. As always, download, like, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, and make sure you tell a friend. Let them know that we're around here talking a little Colts football, and if you enjoy it, I'm sure they will enjoy it as well. So, George, one of the things that I really liked on Sunday, and I hope the Colts do more now moving forward, especially when you have Sam Ellinger at quarterback who, who's more mobile uh, than Matt Ryan, is I love when they have Naeem Hines, Jonathan Taylor, now Sam Ellinger on the field at the same time, whether it's both of them in the backfield, whether it's Hines in the slot. Like, some of the best Colts plays and some of the biggest plays, the only touchdown they got was when they are both on the field at the same time. That feels like a recipe that is that has worked so far, and especially, again, when you're trying to wean Sam Ellinger along and kind of, you know, have him take baby steps, we'll say, throughout the season. But that's a great way right now for him to kind of continue development. I think it's something that the, the defenses have to worry about a lot. And the short simples, as you saw, at least on Sunday, it worked more times than not. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the Hines situation is probably the one of the more frustrating things that, that's happened this year. I mean, all we heard all spring and all summer was, you know, he's going to be such a huge part of this offense. I think Frank Reich even said if he had a fantasy team, he would he would make sure that he drafted Naeem Hines. And, you know, today, even a day that he got a touchdown and, and it felt like he was more a part of things than he has been in most weeks, it's still seven touches and, and 49 total yards. So, um, you know, you got to find a way to get him more involved, whatever that takes. And that a lot of that means being on the field with with Jonathan Taylor so that you're not just coming in a few times to spell him, you know, get him out there together. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the the RPL works really well on its own, but I think there's a lot you can do play action wise. There's a lot you can do from an option type of standpoint when you've got both those guys out there and, and then Ellinger's threat to run as well. So um, absolutely. I mean, guys, when, you, when you're talking about underutilized guys on this team and ways to make things change so that this offense changes, I feel like Naeem Hines' name has to be near the top of the list. And especially for a guy who is creative in Frank Reich and does, you know, bring new wrinkles to this offense all the time, it's like that's that's a wrinkle that I feel like you should be using more because it's worked. We saw it on Sunday where he had, you know, Hines and Taylor in the backfield together as the Wildcat. You fake the pitch of Sam Ellinger and you get a nice gain on it. It's like now, especially when you have a, a mobile core like Sam Ellinger, you can, like, have more fun. You can kind of use it to your advantage and keep defenses, all you know, off guard. Um, so I just hope that was one thing at least that kind of stuck out to me, um, on Sunday. I hope to see more, but it was also too, on the other side, George, a little bit surprising. I guess we did not see more RPOs than, than we actually did. Like it was being talked about. I thought it was kind of, you know, be more of a thing and it really didn't feel like they, they kind of used it that much whatsoever on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And they, they ran a couple of the, at the 27 yard run was, was definitely one, uh, that, that they were able to bust. Um, you know, I, I saw a couple other times during the game that, that got stuffed. 
they started the game early with a bunch of rollouts and they went away from that. And really, I think the first possession they did it and I'm not sure they did it. I can't right off the top of my head, recall one after that, but I think they, Washington started to sniff that out a little bit. They got pressure on, on like the second series when, when they tried to do that. I think that was part of probably what was driving that for the Colts, but I think the RPO is going to be a bigger thing moving forward. I would expect, I thought, I thought we'd see more of it today too. Uh, but again, I don't know that, Look, if the offensive line is going to go out there and, and, and play the way they have, I don't know what difference it makes. You look at the, the end of the day today, 4.7 yards per carry and just two sacks. They're moving forward. That's right. the important thing. They, they made – but, again, what we're talking about here is situational football. That's what's killing the Colts. You look at the raw numbers today, okay, they went, you know, 4.7 yards per carry, two sacks. That's That's probably the best game they played as far as balancing both of those areas run blocking and pass protection uh, and no doubt Sam Ellinger's mobility played into both of those factors but again you don't finish in the red zone and a lot of that had to do with the line I mean that third and one you have got to get that and you mm-hmm. have to give your head coach enough faith that on fourth and inches he can go behind you and you can get that there uh, and and maybe run out the clock on this game or at least you know there were only 22 seconds left when when Washington scored the the game winning touchdown so not like they had to take a lot more time off the clock to get where they needed to be um and, but again it comes down to what we we're talking about earlier yeah you know i keep hammering the offensive line because that's where my head is and that's where i think the biggest issue is with this team but the fact of the matter is whoever is is at fault the Colts aren't making plays in big moments the, the commanders are, we talked about it earlier, but one play we didn't mention that game winning drive, there's a fourth and one at the 20 and it looks like Taylor Heineke psyched, sacked for all purposes. Mm-hmm. He somehow gets out of there, extends the play, runs to the outside and makes a 12 yard pass that extends the drive. They make that play. They win the game. The Colts come up inches short on a third and five scramble and don't. It's, it's not, it's not a coincidence. You've got to be better at situational football. I think the offensive line plays into that a lot, but everybody on offense, they've got to be in and defense too. You've got to be better at situational football. And it's like the turnovers obviously are killer, right? George, like Stephen Holter had a great tweet and it just, and it's perfect. Sums up the season. The Colts are 0 4 and 1 this season when they lose the turnover battle, 3 0 when the turnover battle is even or they're positive and they're winning it. So it's very simple. Like you don't turn the ball over, you force other teams turnover, you're going to win more times than I. It's very easy to to see that happen. But it's not just the fact that you have, you know, you were losing the turnover battle, George. Like you mentioned, it's also when you turn them over. Like both times you have Sam Ellinger fumble after what was arguably the best drive of the day so far. You fumble in the red zone. That kills all the momentum. Then you later on in the game, you have a beautiful pass out. Pierce, 47-yarder, biggest play of the season. Passing-wise, the crowd's into it. You're, you're starting to move the ball. Very next play, John Taylor fumbles, and it's like, well, there goes all the air to balloon. So it's not just when you're – or, you know, that you're turning it over. It's also when you're turning it over at some awful times that just kill momentum. Like you said, also, kill faith in Frank Reich in terms of thinking, oh, I can believe in these guys to make a play because anytime he tries to do that, outside of a few guys, someone else always manages to, like, to fumble it away or not come through their assignment and blow it up. And I think maybe the most frustrating thing about this offense right now is if you clean up that that situational football, you know, problems that, that, that are going on there, you've got a lot of good things going on in this passing game. Alec Pierce, you just mentioned him week after week. This kid gets better and better. I wasn't high on him coming out of the draft. I'll be honest. I thought he'd be OK, but I didn't think he'd have this kind of impact this quickly. 
And he has made himself, if not the number one guy, he's a strong number two to Michael Pittman. He makes a big play every week. He goes out there. He's shown he's physical. He can get it up there and, and get jump balls. That 47-yarder was a perfect play by both both ends. You know, a great throw by Sam Ellinger, but they were at their own 19-yard line, their own 19-yard line when they make that play. It's a huge play. Like you said, a huge momentum play, and you fumble it away. Alec Pierce is, is, is growing up before our eyes. He deserves better than this. I think also Paris Campbell, who, who you know, three times he touches the ball today, 71 yards. He's got a 28-yard reception or a 28-yard rush and a 38-yard reception. He's another guy that seems to get better and, and more reliable every week. It, it's, it's a travesty that you've got these guys going out there and playing the way they are. If you had told me back in August, that Paris was, we're going to get this version of Paris Campbell and this version of Alec Pierce. I would think this team is five and two, or I guess six and two, or, or seven and one, you know, playing really good football and, and really looking good. Uh, but so many, so many other errors, you know, turnovers, sacks, holding, just clean up. And, and the thing about that is, we, we said it all year long. You're eight weeks in and it hasn't happened. So, uh, that's a frustrating thing. Clean up the things that you're that, that that you're not doing right, and there's so many other things to be excited about with this offense. And that's where it's almost like a blessing and a curse because you're. It's frustrating now in the moment, but it's like if you are at least already the mindset of whether it could be Sam Ellinger, the guy like ooh, you, you. Fingers crossed, George. Whoever's starting Week One for the Colts in 2023, presumably will at least that that's the goal to be the guy for the next 10 years. So the good news is, whether it is Sam Ellinger plays way into the job or whether they draft someone or trade for someone, whoever it is, you look at next year, 2023, like I said, the Colts have, especially the skill position, the pieces to have whatever quarterback they have next year to succeed. Like you mentioned, Michael Pittman Jr. has, for the most part, outside of his drop on the final uh, final drive of the game. Huge. Massive drop. Huge. Very un-Michael Pittman Jr.-like for sure. But he's been very solid, tough, you know, makes a ton of tough catches, very reliable. Like I said, Alec Pierce, from where he started in week one, where he dropped a, a very easy touchdown pass, leaves the game early. It seemingly lost all trust in Matt Ryan. And now he's, you know, routinely now the last few weeks, the second most targeted receiver on this team outside of Michael Pittman Jr., whether it's Matt Ryan and now Sam Ellinger, you're starting to see them really develop and really trust Alec Pierce to make a play. Paris Campbell, I mean, I'd argue, George, he's so far through eight games been the offensive MVP. I mean, he's making big plays. He's, you know, especially, you know, he had a career day last week in Tennessee. He makes some big plays relied upon a fifth third down. He's, you know, a big target. Anytime he can, the ball is thrown his way, for the most part, he's getting that first down. You saw the speed, which is kind of nice. If we haven't seen too many glimpses of but you get him in the open field like he did two times today. You see this guy can fly. He can make plays. He can make people miss. It's like you are right. You have three receivers right now on top of Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines where you can have like five guys that – are legitimate playmakers if you're getting the ball like that's that's a quarterback stream and it's a shame in one sense because like I said it's they're wasting it frankly this year with the offensive line play and just totally killing kind of any momentum on this offense and also self-inflicted wounds where they turn the ball over a ton after a lot of these players make some big time plays but it's also you hope at least or to look at it a positive going forward to kind of save yourself from the darkness that is nice like you know what the Colts have a nice core here like they, development, skill drafting, position. they have a nice core at, at skill position, absolutely. At skill position, absolutely. And, and you know, talk about Paris Campbell too. One thing that, that we haven't talked about, one of those hidden yardage plays, he drew a pass interference flag that set up the touchdown, the six-yard touchdown run for Naeem Hines. 
came after he drew a pass interference flag of 30 yards. And that is one of the few times that they overcame some adversity. They got a holding penalty. They ended up in second and 22 at the 36 after that Shaq Leonard interception. And, you know, Paris Campbell draws that flag and, and they're able to go in and, and find the end zone for the only time today. Uh, going back to that, that Pittman drop, you know, I've been pretty hard on, on Sam as far as like not making that big play and not making that throw in the red zone. He did on that play. He made a beautiful throw. He threaded it right down the middle of the field and they were going to be at worst on the outskirts of a field goal range with a timeout still left in their pocket. If, if Michael Pittman holds on to that and he had some room to run, I, they may have been in field goal range when that was all said and done. If not, you were probably another completion or two away. You know, one of those jump balls to Alec Pierce away from maybe having Chase McLaughlin go out there and, and make a kick to win the game. That was a huge drop. And I do need to mention I, that was a big time throw by by Sam Ellinger. You're right. It's good to see, but it, it just goes back to the frustration of just like you said, guy. It's like it, like you said, it's situation football, and it's when the the plays or the mistakes are are being made, and we we can talk about again how impressive you know the the Colts weapons are, and you know how they they are building a nice core. But then again, at the same time, what, what's so frustrating? We're sitting here talking about another 16 point effort. We're talking about another situation where, like you said, they get in the in the red zone three times. We're talking about a team who. In the preseason, George, you're talking about this. The Colts are one of the worst teams in terms of red zone percentage last year at converting those red zone opportunities into touchdowns. We thought and hoped, okay, Matt Ryan at least will be, you know, a part to fix that and be kind of the guy with his good decision-making, his good accuracy to fix those problems. And again, you go one for three in the red zone again on Sunday. It's another situation where, again, you're settling for field goals more times than that. Chase McLaughlin's leg is getting a workout for sure. Whether it was in Denver a few weeks ago, whether it was again on Sunday, it's – He's earning his money, George. That is, that's absolutely for sure. But it's just like, it's almost like for not like like all these guys are having solid years, all for nothing. Because whether it's not making the big play or not making the play you need at the end, you know, to to get a touchdown, they cannot get in the end zone on a consistent basis whatsoever. Yeah, and and we can't let the defense off the hook here because sixteen points should have won the game today. It won't win very many in this league, but it should have won the game today. You, they. They had to go 89 yards on that last drive with, I think, 247, somewhere in that range. Uh, it was less than that. It was 247 when the Colts punted it away. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of time left on the clock. The Colts have to find a way to get off the field there. I do want to say this, though. Terry McLaurin, Indianapolis Cathedral kid, uh, guy that the Colts passed on in the second round of that draft. They took Paris Campbell instead. 113 yards receiving today. That 33-yard catch, that's that's the kind of thing the Colts are not getting right now. That's what we're talking about. He went up. He took the ball away from an all-pro cornerback. It's Stephon Gilmore. I, I don't fault Gilmore much for that play at all. I think he was where he needed to be. He did just about everything you can realistically expect him to do on that play. And Terry McLaurin, like you said, just made a man's catch uh, and won that game for the for the commanders. I mean, he, he gets the game ball for sure on that side of the field. Um, you know, you knew coming in, he would probably have a big game being home first time as a pro in his hometown. Um, but, you know, the Colts need guys to step up that way. We've been talking about everything they've got going their way on offense, and, and it's definitely there. But they need guys who are going to consistently step up in those big moments and, and either, you know, score or put them right on the cusp of, of getting those touchdowns uh, because that's the difference in this game. It absolutely is. It is obviously because it's a game-winning score. Uh, but again, if the Colts in a couple opportunities similar to that earlier in the game, if they finish off the same way, they're the ones walking out of here with a victory. 
And that's a frustrating thing, George, to put a bow at least on this conversation before, like I said, we, we kind of dive into the defense a little bit more here. It's not like, because the Colts crowd, like when you look at so forth in the first eight games, like, again, they've been a, a very good fourth quarter team when it comes to point differential. They've been one of the best in the NFL. So they do make plays, and for whatever reason, it takes the offense, especially three quarters to wake up. The fourth quarter, that's when they've been at their best. You look at the Chiefs game, you have Jelani Woods and Matt Ryan stepping up to make some big plays to win that game. You have Alec Pierce catching the big touchdown pass against the Jaguars a few weeks ago. So, like, the Colts have made plays at times this season to step up, you know, in a big moment to, to win. But the frustrating part, George, is like when it's every single week, when it's every single week, you need someone, you know, in crunch time to make a play. It's not going to happen every time. And now, like when you, like you mentioned, when you turn the ball over in the red zone, when you consistently set up field goals and not touchdowns, you allow teams to stick around. Not the Colts have to win every game by 30, but God forbid, it's not the worst in the world for them to go up by 10. You know, when you're down every single halftime, when you're down going to the fourth quarter of every single game, like you are giving yourself no margin for error. So even if you make a play or two, well, you're still, because you left the team around early and you could have put them away in the first half. Like you can win a game in the first half, George. You can win a game in the second quarter. Look at the Eagles. The Eagles are undefeated. They were one of the best second uh, quarter teams in all the NFL. You can win games early. The Colts, I've clearly this year have never won a game early. And like we mentioned, especially on Sunday, you kind of, you, it, it epitomizes this entire season. They had opportunities in the first half and really through the first three quarters to take a commanding lead, take control of the game and put the commanders away, go up two scores. Instead, you don't do so. You allow them to hang around and the commanders made a play or two at the end to win the game. You don't have to have the game come down to one drive or one play every single game. You are allowed to win the game by double digits and put the game away early so you're not relying on whether it's your defense, your special teams, or your offense to come through again and have everything on their shoulders. Yep. I mean, one thing we knew, we, we said it on the preview pod, this was going to be a one-score game, and, and neither now one of that. these teams has won a game yet this year without it being a one-score game. So it wasn't just a one-score game. It was a one-point game. Uh, but you know what? Hey, we're 2-7 and seven now, right, on our picks, counting That's the quarterback. True. So. We, we, we picked up one that wasn't the free spot. That is very, very, very true. When we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, we'll get into the defense. How much fault should there be for them? Again, allowing the commanders to go down the field and eventually score with just 22 seconds left. And we'll also discuss the return of Shaq Leonard for really the first time this season and play the majority or a good amount of snaps considering that he left in the second quarter of the first game played against the Titans a few weeks ago. So nicely Shaq Leonard back. We'll get in his uh, impact as well when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. Colts fall to Commanders 17-16, George. And again, uh, we, we just talked about like, the Colts failed to put a team away early, and now you're relying on your defense to try to make a stop. And instead, the Commanders go nine plays, 89 yards, just over two minutes and 17 seconds here to score the Taylor Heineke one-yard touchdown that did give them the win with 22 seconds left. And it's a situation where, again, they failed to come clutch. I'll be honest, I don't know about your feelings. Like, obviously, you want to win the game, and obviously, you got to make a stop there. I really have a hard time faulting this defense or getting too frustrated because they have been asked and, and have had so much pressure on their shoulders because this offense can't score at all uh, at any point this season where it's like, eventually, the dam's going to break. And this, to me, is one of those situations where when you ask them so many times over and over and over and get, get, get stops and you're on the field for so long, not just this game, but in the overall totality so far of the eight-game season – I, I have a tough time getting too upset because they've so far have played, you know, well above their weight and have played really good so far for the most part of the season. But it's a situation where when you almost ask too much, that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's definitely the offense. You know, no one's going to argue that over the course of the season, the offense has not held up enough of its end of the bargain. It's put the defense in bad situations. I still think the defense deserves a, a lot of blame at the end of the game today for the simple fact that, for one thing, that 89-yard drive can't happen. Nine plays, 89 yards, two minutes and 17 seconds. You, you can't. You can't lose a game on a drive like that. Uh, but also from the interception, when, when Shaq Leonard had the interception there with about 11 minutes to go, from that point on, Washington has two possessions. They have to score on both of them to win the game, and they do. You got one of those two, you got to force a punt. You know what I mean? One of those two, you got to get off the field, and especially the first one, uh, because you you just gone ahead 16 to 7. You got that first two-score lead. You get back off the field there, and you let the offense come out and run some time off the clock. I think it's a different feeling in the stadium. It's a different feeling for everybody. Uh, instead, they come down, you hold them to a field goal, which is a big deal. And, it's, and that drive was not terrible. I mean, they made – it was a 12-play, 82-yard drive that took 6-17 off the clock. So they made them take a long, the long road. But at the end of the day, you're talking about for the point you go up 16-7, to 7, the defense gives up 171 yards on 21 plays and 10 points, and you lose the game. That – they, they can't be guilt-free in that, that regard. No, now, you're right. You're right. And, but, I mean, ultimately, I still think you're right. I mean, are there things that the offense did, you know, and didn't do earlier in that game? I mean, can, they, can the offense pick up a first down on the drive between those two and maybe give the defense enough time to win the game, give them a little bit more rest? Can the offense score points a little more, you know, as the, as the, the game goes on? Absolutely. I still think the offense is at fault as well. I just think we can't totally – uh, exonerate the defense today. No, you're right. I get that's I'm maybe over sympathizing a little bit for sure, but it just it is frustrating because again, this offense is so bad when you're one of the 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 bottom of the league in terms of scoring points per game. You're asking your defense to to play almost a perfect game every single week, and it's it's just you can't ask your defense to again hold teams or expect them to hold teams, you know, scoreless or keep that out of the end zone every single week. Because I mean, look, the Colts scored one touchdown today. You know, they struggle, as we know, getting in the end zone and finishing off drives. So you're already making it, you know, so much uh, so much harder for the defense to basically go out there and and kind of force it, whether it's forcing turnovers or, or slowing down some of these good offenses that they've been playing so far. And, yeah, like, it's just – I feel like now, like, the beginning of the year where they were they able to get away with it in some instances, like against the Chiefs and you make some big plays or against the Broncos. And now I just feel like now it's almost like you're paying, like, the you're paying the tax for those wins kind of now, if that, like, makes sense. When you don't score a touchdown against Denver and you still somehow manage to win the game, it's like last week yeah. you have the, the final drive uh, for Tennessee when the Colts are down by six and you really need a stop. And third down, Ryan Tannehill on one leg throws the ball. Austin Hooper makes a tremendous catch. As, you know, they get in the field goal range, keep the field goal, two-possession game, game over. And now this week, like you mentioned, that's a good point. Ten, like they did score 10 points and the two drives they need to score, the commanders did score. And credit to them. I just feel like when you watch so far the, the eight games – they played really well and over their heads and better than they, you know, got credit for uh, early in the year. I feel like that's kind of now starting to come back where it's like, that's not going to happen every week. And that's kind of now paying the price, if you will. You no, know, and I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. I think those things kind of tend to even out over the course of the year. The defense has been asked to carry too much of the load. And so if you want to say, well, they won the game for you against Denver and, and, you know, definitely kept you in it and gave you a chance to win against Kansas city, that's going to come back, you know, and maybe did in these last two weeks where they're not able to keep you in and give you a chance to win last week in Tennessee. They give up the the field goal drive that kind of pushes that game out of reach. 
and then today they're not able to close it out and, and win the game. That I feel like those things will even out if, if you don't, as an offense, carry your end of the bargain. So I, I agree with you 100%. Um, and, and, you know, today, defense credit, they still almost did pull it out. They still almost did make it work today. You know, Gilmore is a hair's width away from the, from another game-ending interception there. I mean, give Taylor Heineke all the credit in the world for having the guts to go at Gilmore in that situation. We talked about that in the, in the pregame. You know, is, is that going to be something that, that happens? We, we felt like he's a guy who's going to put the ball a little bit more at risk, might challenge him a little bit more. We knew that, that, that McLaurin would be a guy he would go after, and that would be a guy Gilmore would be on. To do it in that situation and, and to survive, Hats off to, to Taylor Heineke. Hats off to, to Terry McLaurin. Uh, but Gilmore still was was that close to, to making it work again. I guess maybe that's also part of the reason why like, I don't I don't have a lot of frustration or, or a lot of anger geared towards the defense. Because you're right, like, that's just a great play. Like, what else are you supposed to do? Gilmore is right there where he's supposed to be. That's just one of those great players make a great play. And it's just like, not that I'm just throwing my hands up. It's almost like, like I, I don't know like what else. Like the, If you go back and I say, oh, let's redo the play. What else are they going to do? Like, outside just putting a guy there because you know that's where the ball's going to go. Like, like you mentioned, Gilmore's in position. He got two hands on the ball. He's got to wrestle the way because McClure made a great play at a little bit, t- you know, a little bit better leverage. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they do. I guess though, if there is going to be a frustrating part, it is kind of the fact that, you know, on the field goal drive to make it a, from 16 7 to a 16 10 game, you had third and 13 um, that eventually, you know, they were able to convert to, they went for a fourth, they were able to convert. So third and 13, you allow them to get a first down in two plays. Then on the final drive, you get lucky because you have the commander's running back slip on what was supposed to be a walk in third down. It's like, you get the break that again, should help you lead to get off the field. And then they allow them to convert, uh, later on, obviously keep that drive going, but you're right. The commanders gave them opportunities for the Colts to get off the field defensively. Now, like you said, this is the second week in a row. They have failed to get off, uh, get off the field, and make a big time stop when needed, and it's just, it is, it is frustrating. It's even more frustrating too, George, when you are able to get the return of Shaq Leonard. Now he's on a pitch count, played roughly about twenty snaps. That was kind of what he was going to be held to um, in his first game since you know breaking his nose and a concussion in Week Four against the Titans. And it's like his return. He does what Shaq Leonard does: makes a play, gets the interception, leads to the only Colts touchdown of the game. So you get the splash play that we were kind of talking about in the preview part that the defense is going to have to have because Taylor Heineke is a guy who does put the ball in harm's way, does give the defense a chance to, you know, make a make a uh, big momentum-changing play, and that's still, you know, not even enough to, in the end, get you, get you the win. Because, again, it comes down to what we've been talking about. I think the biggest thing about this team, we can talk about whatever side of the ball we want to talk about. We can talk about what unit we want to talk about. Situational football right now is what, what's killing the team. So we're losing games. Get off the field on fourth down. I mean, you just mentioned it. Two fourth down conversions on those last two scoring drives. One each. One fourth down conversion on the field goal drive. One fourth down conversion on a touchdown drive. You get off the field on either of those fourth downs. Colts win. It's not pretty. But you're winning. You're moving forward. Uh, I think if there's something that that you want to take from this, you know, trying to be positive moving forward, we want a little bit of optimism, you know, moving forward. It's that if you can clean up this situational football, you know, look, you did get a pretty good game from Sam Ellinger today. You got what you wanted from him. You know, maybe that's the formula moving forward is, you know, running the ball a little bit better, getting a few explosive plays in the passing game, protecting the football and good defense. I think that's how they're going to win games the rest of this year. Uh, is it enough to make a playoff push? I highly doubt it. I don't think that's going to be enough to get a playoff push. But look, you got some games coming up. New England, 
I don't know what they are this year. They looked they impressive stink. on Sunday against the Jets. They got blown out by the Bears. The Raiders, they did not they have a very stink. good day today, you know. So there are winnable games still ahead. If you can start taking care of situational football, there are winnable games left on this schedule. And in, in the next two weeks, there, there are winnable games. You are 100% right. And I don't like, I hate to kind of harping on the same things. I feel like on this pod, we've done so a lot, George, not just, I feel like on no, to no fault of our own, just because it's the same issues that keep popping up. Trust me, we'd love to talk about, you know, something different than the offensive line or the quarterback struggles or the team, you know, turning the ball over again when they can't do so. But this, I think this game also goes short. Exactly what you're saying highlights a bigger point where if you have the quarterback, is the one position that erases so many things where they can overcome negative plays or a lack of a defensive stop or even a negative turnover differential that again, it just affords you so much more freedom to, you know, win games. You don't, we don't play your a game. You, your formula for success for this team to win is hundred percent right. But also to kind of make it even simpler, what you said, it's everything going right. It's like, yes. it's not having penalties. It's not turning the ball over. It's staying ahead of the chains. It's staying on schedule. It's not allowing sacks. And that's just not realistic. Again, no. it's, I, I, we've used this analogy before, but it's almost a lot like a triple option offense. Not that the, the offense the Colts are running is similar, but it's like with the triple option has success, right? When it's ahead of the chains, when everything's working, when there's no penalties or no turnovers. But also now if you're down a few scores or even 10 points, like you, you got it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because nope. it's too time consuming or it doesn't work. It's not the offense is not built for second and 14. It's built for second and five. And this Colts yes. offense, like you mentioned, is built right now for second and five. They cannot overcome, like you mentioned, second and 14 or second and 20 for the most part and making big plays. And this defense, you know, this team is not built for the defense to only allow them to score 10, you know, opponents 10 points a game. Like they need everything to go right. And that's just not how the NFL works. And it highlights the importance, again, of finding the guy at quarterback because then he can really kind of erase plays and erase mistakes that right now the Colts cannot overcome because they don't have, they don't have that guy, and they haven't had that guy really since Andrew Luck retired back in 2018 or 2019, that, but when he played in 2018. And that's what a lot of this boils down to. I mean, when you look at the, the overall you know scheme of all of this, uh, I'm reminded today because Tariq Glenn went into the Ring of Honor at halftime Jim Irsay's out there talking about him and, and, you know, doing the introduction. And he talked about how much easier Tariq Glenn made it on that offense, him being at that left tackle, being that dominant left tackle, protecting Peyton Manning's blind side, how much easier that made things for the offense during the glory years of this, of this football franchise. Um, those are the two most important positions on the field. And right now the Colts are trying to get by with, you know, just okay options or even less than that. Uh, you know, at the moment, you've got a veteran uh, who's been a backup most of his career playing left tackle, and you've got a sixth-round pick who's 24 years old and learning the game on the fly playing quarterback. It's not much wonder that that it's hard, that so many things have to go right. I mean, it's – for all the things that, that we thought coming into this season that this team could be, I think one of the biggest, you know, things that have changed is we thought Matt Ryan would be a guy who, when he had to be, would be an eraser. And he wasn't this year. He added to more problems than, than he fixed it. But again, I think it's not just the quarterback that left tackle spot needs to be fixed too, because I think a lot of guys are going to struggle if you don't shore up that role as well. And coincidence or not, I guess where Chris Ballard absolutely deserves a lot of blame because you had two franchise stalwarts, right? Andrew Luck, 
obviously Southern retire in 2018, and then Anthony Costanzo follow a few a few years later. And the Colts have used the same philosophy at quarterback and left tackle. You mentioned it. The two most important positions on offense, quarterback, left tackle. The Colts have the same approach to fixing both of those, and it's patchwork. It's band-aids. And you, you can't be doing that. You have to find two anchors that can really kind of solidify this offensive line and solidify your really entire team, especially the offense. And so far, since those two guys retired, Colts have not been able to do so. They really haven't even, frankly, tried their best. They, they, they had hope projects and guys that, oh, maybe they'll develop and maybe things will work out. That, that's never going to really work out really too well for you. All those plans have backfired. Like I said, I, it's almost like a nice reminder that the, of the Tark Glenn um, Ring of Honor ceremony on Sunday, George, because it shows, like I said, the, the Colts heyday with Peyton and everyone and those, you know, mid to 2000, mid 2000s, really the whole decade of 2000s, right? And to where this team is now, you see the stark difference. They are nowhere close now to where they used to be when they were one of the primetime AFC uh, contenders for the Super Bowl every single year. That gap is wide. And to obviously get back there, like you mentioned, the, the the fastest way to getting and closing the gap between the two is solidifying quarterback left tackle. Yep. And to me, you know, when you want to talk about, we had high hopes for this team. We were not quiet about it. We thought they'd win the division. I, I was picking at least one playoff win as well. Why are they not where they are? Why do they instead have the 30th ranked offense in the NFL quarterback and left tackle? I mean, if you want to make it as simple as you can quarterback and left tackle, that is right. And there's your hundred percent, right? You are 100% right, and they just found ways to lose more than, than not. And whether it's turnovers, whether it's just, like I said, inconsistent play, this team is – they've done it to themselves. They have no one else to blame right now but themselves for being 3-4-1. and one. And, again, another disappointing Sunday, George, as we sit here as the Colts lose to the Commanders 17-16. Another game in which they should have won. Like, just to quickly rack my brain, outside of Jacksonville Week 2, when they lost 24-0 and were dominated in every phase of the game, I could easily sit here and make the argument the Colts should win every other game. Like they realistically, they didn't beat themselves. You can make an argument and make a path for the most part six and two or even seven and one because they they were right in every single game and they have continually failed for the most part to now make a play or two to get it done. They've hurt themselves. Situational football and self-inflicted wounds. I mean, it's it's a broken record. We talk about it all the time, but that's why. I mean, that that that's what's come down to. And Again, why is that happening? Because you're you're not able to you don't have an offense right now that can overcome much, you know, in terms of adversity, in terms of mistakes. Um, those fumbles are devastating because you need those two drives. You need points on those two drives. Those are two red zone drives. If they just end in field goals, they win today. You know, it, it's that simple. We were talking about uh, during the week, you know, if. if Sam Ellinger could take this team from 16 points per game to 23 or 24. Well, if those two field goal drives end with field goals and, and they score from the one inch line today, then you're talking about 26 points. I think today, if I do real quick in my head, two field goals and, and four more points for a touchdown on, on one field goal. And it, that would have been more than enough to win. I think we'd have a much different feeling. Uh, but again, situational football and, and they're not a good enough football team right now to overcome it. If those same things happen to Kansas City, they're probably just blips in the road on on a day where they scored 30 or 40 points. They happen here. You get 16 points and you lose by one. Sunday, I thought to wrap up, George, was the perfect epitome this season. Like like you just mentioned, it's just whether it's the red zone struggles they've had, one or three in the red zone, and, and a few key drives where you needed six, they settled for three. 
turnovers. They lose the turnover differential again, two to one, and two costly turnovers. And not only in terms of where the fumbles uh, happened on the field, but also when they happen as well. After some few big plays where you know the Colts could have converted, like you mentioned, third down issues, the offensive line getting blown up, and and when you need one yard with the best running back in the NFL, you can't you lose two. Really, just getting back to the last screen, you lose two yards on third down and goal from the one yard line, and even you know Frank Reich deserves his blame too, but you know his conservative play calling and the quarterback again is not good enough to take you over the top. Sunday is the perfect epitome. Of everything that has gone wrong for the Colts, you saw rear its ugly head at some point in this game on Sunday, and it's the reason why we're sitting here with a losing record with the with one of the worst offenses uh, in all the NFL. Yep, three, four, and one, and off to New England on Ugh. next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that as as we move forward here on the Blue Horseshoe. Another depressing post-game pod. Another depressing start to the work week for sure. As the Colts again, as you just mentioned, lose the Commander 17-16. Dan Slatter, Carson went to the Commanders, do get the final laugh at Jim Irsay and the Colts and their fans for sure. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough one. It's an absolutely tough one. But we will still be here, though. We'll still be here. We'll still continue to bring you our thoughts and hopefully some cheer, at least going forward. It feels like we're going to have to be some sort of, whether it's stand-up comedians, George, whether I don't know how we're going to try to bring joy to Colts fans because right now the team's not doing so. So we'll definitely tinker with some things here and try to bring you still some joy uh, in the face of misery over the next two months of the season. I do know how to bring some joy to Colts fans. It's two words. He did it again today. Grover Stewart. Once yes. again, one drive. He just absolutely blew up on his own. Look, you want to smile. You want to be happy. Grover Stewart. That, that's all I got for you. Been the best and most consistent player on this team by far. Not great when it's a nose tackle. No disrespect to Grover. But, hey, at least at least you get one consistent player uh, on this team so far in a season that's been anything but consistent, that's for sure. And if anything's been consistently bad, which is, is never a good thing that you want. So we will be back for the midweek pod here on Wednesday morning. Make sure, again, you're subscribing and liking to the Blue Horseshoe pod. We're going to bring you some life, bring you some optimism here going forward for sure. But between now and then, make sure you check out George on Twitter at GM Brum. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Have a great start to your week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe pod.